place value on your word tonight. Father, I thank you for every person that has uh, shown up here tonight, every individual, every family, in the midst of everything we got going on this week. Father, I thank you that we can take this time out to hear your word and grow in your word, develop in your word. And Father, we're going to be enriched tonight. We're going to be refreshed tonight. Father, we thank you that your word is going to bring life to us. And I thank you that uh, tonight we will walk away and leave differently than the way that we have come in. We thank you for all that you're doing and going to do in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I want to remind y'all that we put all of our messages out on an app, a Bible app called YouVersion. It's the most popular Bible app that is available for uh, tablets and iPhones and all that. And um, we were we had switched routers just recently, and we're having some issues with it. But um, I think we may have gotten it resolved. But just to let you know, um, you will see Wi-Fi, uh, you know, signals show up on your devices. And the one that you select is the Anchor Faith Church guest uh, Wi-Fi. It, when you select it, it should bring up a browser on your phone or your tablet, and uh, on that browser, you'll see a place where you can type in a password, and your, the password you need to enter is AFCV, all lowercase, just the way it is, AFCV. That'll, act, that'll allow you to access that uh, Wi-Fi. You'll see two of them there, but the one that says guest is the one that uh, is set up for y'all. Um, and by accessing that version app, you'll see all of our verses in our message, all the points that I'll make, um, and those are available for just about every service. It's very rare that I don't put anything in there. Um, so uh, as long as God gives me enough time, <laughs> sometimes he'll pull a, a little last-minute trick on me, but uh, for the most part, um, we're going to get just about all of those messages in there. And so it's a great tool for you. You know, we're uh, not devaluing God's word as all uh, at all. Still use my Bible and bring my Bible. But uh, here's the other thing about it, and this is going to tie into what we're talking about tonight. Is all of our messages are available online as well. Usually by the next day, by the afternoon, those messages are out there, and uh, you, if you need to go back and hear it again, if you missed a service. Uh, you can go out there and you can grab the message that you missed. But here's the other thing. I leave the version track up there for about a week. So when you're listening to it, if you are in a position where you're able to sit down and actually listen to it, you can pull up version right along with that and follow right along as if you were here. So these are great tools that we have available to you. We want you to use them as a resource. And um, I, I pray that they'll bless you. But um, I think we've got the Wi-Fi situation figured out, crossed up, and so uh, hopefully we've got that going now to where you'll actually be able to use it during service and all that. But um, anyways, I just wanted to make that quick announcement and keep you in reminder that we use that. Tonight we're going to talk about a valuable word, a valuable word. And we've been talking about our words. We've been talking about confes- uh, confession specifically and talking about our words and um, we've said a few things, uh, you know, we, we've crossed up that the expectation in your life is developed by the words that you're saying. And what you can expect in life is determined by what's coming out of your mouth. And so we have to uh, 
uh, as, as Christians, as believers, we have an obligation and a responsibility to watch what's coming out of our mouth and to have self-control uh, over the words that are coming out of our mouths. And uh, we have to understand that what we're speaking is creating the world that we're living in. And so if we want to see things change around us, we've got to change what is in us, and we've got to change what is coming out of our mouth. And the first thing we saw was that what comes out of your mouth is determined by what you're placing in your spirit. Um, you're not just automatically going to say positive stuff all the time. You're not just automatically going to have good things to say and just always speak what needs to be coming out of our mouths. That comes by an adamant, determined, uh, direct response to God's word. And by feeding on God's word and by valuing God's word and by being in God's word, you're placing that in your spirit. And then out of your spirit, Jesus said, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Not out of the abundance of your head, not out of the abundance of, uh, you, know, uh, you know, just happenstance. It's what you're placing in your spirit, man, in your heart that determines the words that are coming out of our physical mouths. The words that are coming out of our mouths are what are creating the world that we're living in. Just naturally speaking, if I got more positive and just spoke more positive about my day, I could see things change. My demeanor would change. What's changing? Is the actual situation changing? No, not necessarily. But my approach to the situation. You know you can approach a negative situation positively and change the outcome? But you can approach a negative situation negatively you know it's kind of like that saying the cup is half full well it's for some people it's half empty some people look at the cup and they only see half and they're seeing man we're almost out and other people can look at that same cup and say man we're almost there it's two completely different approaches to the same situation and the words that come out of our mouths are what determine how we approach a situation. But then God's word goes a step further and says, the way that you approach a situation will determine the outcome of it. Regardless of how bad the situation is. I don't care if you got in a car wreck. I don't care if you just lost your best friend. I don't care if uh, uh, you just lost your job, if the no money in the bank account. But the God's word says that if you can approach the situation properly, you'll get the proper outcome. But approaching a negative situation negatively will give you a negative outcome. You'll never get a proper outcome out of that. And we want to change the outcome. We want to change the product. We want to change what's being produced and the stuff that's going on in our lives. And the words, are, the words that are coming out of our mouths, that is what is changing it. So I want to look at a pretty popular verse here in John chapter 1. In uh, John chapter 1 and verse 1. Uh, we've all seen this verse uh, for the most part, and um, it's a great verse speaking about Jesus, but ultimately God is talking about his word here. And in verse 1 it says, in the beginning was the word. Now we know another verse that starts off in the beginning, and that was in the beginning. Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. So what we're doing here, what the writer is doing here is he's tying the beginning of creation, the beginning of the world, to what's about to be said. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The first thing you have to understand about words, last week we talked about being in agreement. 
whenever you're speaking, whatever is coming out of your mouth, you're essentially agreeing with something. You can either agree with the bad report or you can agree with God's word. And when you get in agreement with God's word, we saw that that word agreement actually meant like a symphony or an orchestra. And we talked about, you know, we've already said that the words are the soundtrack of our life. You change the soundtrack, you change the, the, uh, what comes at the end. You change the expectation. And when you get in agreement with God's word, you're making the same sound as God is. Now, we all know how bad a sound, I mean, you don't even have to know that much about music. But if you hear two sounds that are off key, off course, uh, aren't in the same, uh, you know, not making the same sound, it sounds horrible. And you don't even have to know what octave it is or what key it is or who's doing melody and who's doing harmony. You don't even have to know those things. All you have to know is this sounds terrible. But we want to make a sound. We want our soundtrack to be awesome. We want our soundtrack to be beautiful. And when you get in agreement with what God has already said about you, then you're making that sound. Then you're making a sound that sounds awesome, and you're creating that soundtrack of your life. God has already written your soundtrack. His word is full of promises and blessings for your life. The problem is, is we talk ourselves out of the blessings he's already given us. The problem is, is we're saying something different than what he's already said. And then we wonder why we're not seeing those things show up in our life. But we've got to make the same sound that God is. Well, to understand that I need to be in agreement with God, you need to understand how God sees his own word. And right here in this verse, put it back up there. In the beginning was the word. So God's word has always been. This isn't something that God, you know, halfway through the line said, you know what, I need to be saying something. <laughs> I, I need to speak some stuff. Maybe if I started saying something, things would change. No, he actually initiated all of creation with his word. With the words that came out of his mouth. He said, let there be light. And what happened? There was light. Based upon his word, he didn't have to go back in his little workshop and put it all together and try to make something happen. He just spoke the thing and it came into his existence. So his word has always been. The word was with God. And watch this. The word was God. The word was God. God's words are just as powerful as God himself. See, you can't ever separate God from his word. You, you will never be able to do it. Because when God says something, he's fully capable and able to make it come to pass. That's how valuable his words are. The word was God. So the same value that you would have for God, you need to have for his words. But we don't do this. We know God is powerful. We know God is awesome. We know God can do anything. But then when it comes to the promises... Well, are, are you sure I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus? Wait a minute. If God is powerful, then his words have to be powerful. We separate the two. And this right here says the word was God. God's word is him. So the same characteristics, the same qualities, the same likeness that God has, his words have. 
That's awesome. The way I, I look at God, the way I think about God, the, the, the way that I process who God is, I need to tie that to his word. So now when I'm reading this, this isn't just words on, this isn't just black and red words on white pages. This is God himself in book form showing up in my life if I can agree with these words. That's how powerful his words are. The reason why light showed up is because within God was the potential and the ability to create light. So he took his words that are just as powerful as him and says, you go create light. Let there be light. And there was light. So now I've got a whole new value for God's word. Well, we know you keep on going down. Verse 14, it says, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us who's that jesus god sent his word and then put him in physical form you know over in isaiah we've been looking at it and over in isaiah it says uh god said i will Send out my word and it will perform, it will accomplish that which I sent it to do. It will not return to me void. Let me ask you this question. Did Jesus return back to God void? Void meaning unproductive, unfruitful. No. Jesus was sent out to accomplish something. And he accomplished that which he was sent to do and did not return back to God void. Why? Because Jesus is the word. See, we think about Jesus as the man that lived on the face of the planet for 33 years. You know, Jesus existed way before that. I mean, if you had a timeline here and we wanted to pick out Jesus's life out of the timeline, it'd be a small little uh, little ink drop. But he's really existed since when? The beginning. Because in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Way before Jesus became Jesus in the flesh, he was the Word with God. He's always existed. And let me tell you this, his Word still exists today. Jesus said, my words, these words, God's Word, it's the same yesterday today, and forever. That is probably one of the most awesome promises you could ever stake your life on. Because you can't say that about anything else. My car is the same yesterday, today, well, not forever. We know that. My bank account is the same yesterday. My marriage is the same yesterday. You can't say it about anything else. God's word is the only thing that you can stake. It is the same. It will never change. It's never going to be different. I mean, you can't put that on health care. You can't put that on our government. You can't put that on our economy. You can't put that on our on your social status. You can't put it on anything. You can't say that about your kids. You can't say that about your career. Song of Sol- or, uh, Solomon figured that out over in Ecclesiastes, talking about, you know, here, is, here we have it one day, tomorrow it's gone. What is this life all about? It's vain. You're talking the richest man in the world. Nobody's ever been richer than him. Nobody ever will be. 
even know the wealth that this man had. And he said, it's all for nothing, man. <laughs> Yet, that's the majority of what we seek after, something that changes. We need to seek after God's word, something that is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Now go over to Mark chapter 4. We started this series talking about how the word is a seed. We started this whole series, the first message, if you recall, we talked about how the word is a seed that gets planted. And when you plant a seed, you look for a product. Nobody plants a seed and forgets about it and just says, oh, I didn't know there was something on the other. I thought you just put something in the ground and you plant a seed looking for something to come out. And so we saw how words have the power to produce something. So if we can place God's word inside of us, it's a seed. Then that seed will produce something, his word. Well, how many of you know that fruit or whatever grows contains within it the seed to make more of something? Okay, so now I'm taking the fruit of the seed that was sown in my spirit, putting it out, but there's seed inside of that that now produces the life that I'm looking for, the product that I'm looking for. I, I plant life in my spirit. I produce fruit of life out of my mouth. That fruit in turn contains a seed of life that now produces fruit in my life. That's the chain that we've been looking at this whole time. If I can get it in me, I can get it out of me, I can get it around me. If I can get the seed in me, then I can speak the seed, and then I can see the seed in my life. See the fruit of that seed in my life. Get the seed in my spirit, let it produce fruit in my mouth, which contains more seed, cast that seed out, and now that seed's going to produce the same fruit in my life. So if I'm not seeing anything change around me, then I need to look at changing something within me. That's how the kingdom of God works. So here in this parable, Mark chapter 4, God talks about his word. Jesus talks about his words being a seed. Look at this in verse 2. Then he taught them many things by parables and said to them in his teaching, listen, Behold, a sower went out to sow. Isn't it amazing he started with listen? Listen. Listen. Hear. That's how the planning takes place. Behold, a sower went out to sow. And it happened as he sowed that some seed fell by the wayside, and the birds of the air came and devoured it. Some fell on stony ground, where it did not have much earth, and immediately it sprang up, because it had no depth of earth. But when the sun was up, it was scorched, and because it had no root, it withered away. And some seed fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no crop. See, we're looking for crop. We're looking for a product. When we plant something, we're looking for something to come back up. But other seed fell on good ground and yielded a crop that sprang up, increased, and produced some thirtyfold, some 60, and some 100. 
And we look at this, and only one out of four made it. Only one out of four of the examples actually produced a crop. And the whole reason we're planting is to produce a crop. Verse 9, he said to them, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. Verse 10, but when he was alone, those around him with the twelve asked him about the parable. And he said to them, to you it has been given to know the mystery of the kingdom of God. But to those who are outside, all things come in parables, so that seeing they may not see, may not perceive, hearing they may not, uh, and hearing they may hear and not understand, lest they should turn and their sins be forgiven them. And he said to them, do you not understand this parable? How then will you not understand all parables? This is the most foundational parable that he gives of any parable. He's explaining within this parable what is necessary for you to understand every parable. In essence, he's saying this, if you don't get what I'm explaining to you in this word, you won't understand any word I give you. So let's get the principle down. I want you to get the principle down today, because if you can get this principle down today, your words that you plant will become fruitful. You will produce the crop you've been looking for all your life. Verse 14, the sower sows the word, not a word, the word. And these are the ones by the wayside where the word is sown. So now he's going to take you through each of the four examples and show you why they didn't produce or why they did produce. Well, I want to know why. We got a lot of farmers. You want to know why something isn't producing. If you go and plant something, you want to know why you're not getting a return. You want to know why you're not, why you're not seeing a product. Investors, when they put something in, they want to know if they're getting something back. And if they're not getting something back, they want to know why. When you invest something, when you put something in, you're expecting a return. And if you're not producing what's supposed to be coming up, now we need to start looking what needs to change. So here we go. The first one is the word that was sown by the wayside. When they hear, Satan comes immediately and takes away the word that was sown in their hearts. So lesson number one, don't put seed on the wayside. What does that mean? Where is the seed supposed to go? In the soil. In the dirt. Not on the wayside. What happens? It can't get down in the dirt. What is the dirt? It's environment. Good seed in the wrong environment will destroy the crop. Good seed in the wrong environment will keep you from producing the results that the seed is very well capable of producing. It wasn't the seed's fault. It wasn't the seed's fault. The seed was just as good as all the rest of the seed. 
It was just in the wrong place. We got to get the seed of the word of God in the right environment. We're going to break this down. Let's keep going. Because Satan comes immediately. When? Immediately. You know when he shows up to take away the word? When you go out that door? When you go right out there and you get back in that car and you drive away, he's looking to see, did any of that seed fall on the wayside? Or did they take care of it and put it where it's supposed to go? Because I'm going to get it. Because guess what? If you don't know how valuable that seed is, he does. And he doesn't want you producing what that seed can produce. He knows how valuable that seed is. He knows if that seed gets in the right environment, it's going to destroy my kingdom. I'm not going to be able to do anything to them because then they're going to bear fruit from that seed. So let's go see if any of that seed didn't make it to the right place. It's number one. Satan comes immediately. He doesn't wait very long. He might even be talking to you right now. Right now. I'm, getting, I'm putting the seed out. And he's coming right now to see where it's landing in your life. And we'll talk about the environments. He comes immediately takes away the word that was sown in their hearts. Verse 16. These likewise are the ones sown on stony ground. When they hear the word, immediately receive it with gladness. Wow, that's a step up. That's better. Because look, where did that verse just previous? Go back to the verse right before that. And these are the ones by the wayside where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan comes immediately and takes away the word that was sown where? But wait, he says this is the one that was ended up on the wayside. The heart is not referring to this thing that's pumping blood 24-7. It's referring to your spirit, man. That's where the seed belongs. If the seed doesn't make it to the soil, if the seed doesn't make it to your heart, to your spirit, man, it will get snatched away. If, it, if you don't get it down deep in your spirit, man, again, good seed in a bad environment will produce no crop. See, we got, we got people, we got Christians today that think going to church is enough. James actually said, that if you hear the word and don't do it, you are deceived. What does he mean by that? You're deceived because you're thinking, yep, I went, I heard the word. I heard the word today. So it's going to happen. But he said, hearers that don't do it, don't apply it, don't put it into practice, they're deceived because they think they got something when they really did it. Seed just landed by the wayside. And Satan comes immediately. This isn't just every now and then. I mean, he's coming. He will come to steal the word that was sown in your heart. And if it doesn't make it to your heart, 
It's easy pickings for him. The mind, your thought life, is not where the seed needs to go. Not far enough. If you're thinking, I just heard it, because he said, listen. The sower went out to sow. Listen. The word that I hear. See, we think if I get it in here, then it'll go here. That's not what the Bible says. Bible says, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Not in his mind. The mind is not deep enough. The mind is the wrong environment. If you think just by getting it in my ears or getting it in my mind is enough, you're wrong. And the seed is not in the proper place, so it's going to get picked out. I'm being very deliberate with this because we, gotta, I, we have to literally identify this in my life. What am I doing with the words that are spoken? What am I doing with the words that are ministered? When I'm going on Wednesdays, when I'm going on Sundays, when I'm watching my favorite uh, guy on TV, when I'm listening to the messages, what am I doing with that word? Because it's not about just hearing it. It's about what I'm doing, it af- doing with it after I hear that determines what happens to the seed. And if we're not seeing the word produce results in our life, then we've got to take a look at the environment. We've got to take a look at the conditions. We've got to take a look at how we're taking care of it. And so the first thing we've got to look at is, is its environment. The first thing we've got to look at is where am I putting it? If you're putting it in your ears, it's not good enough. If you're putting it in your mind, that's not good enough. The only place the word belongs where it can produce results in your life is in soil, is in your heart. Look at Psalms 119, verse 11. Keep your finger in Mark chapter 4. We're not done there. Flip on over to Psalm 119, verse 11. Psalms chapter... 119, your word have I hidden in my heart. We're talking tonight about a valuable word. Now watch this. If I value something, I don't have it just laying out where anybody can get it. When you value something, that thing's locked up. That thing's not sitting out on the coffee table. That thing's not just, you know, when, when you value your vehicle, uh, those of you, you know, uh, I, I never really used my garage for a car until I got a new vehicle. And all of a sudden, that thing ain't just sitting around underneath the sun and the rain and uh, pine straw needles falling all on top of it and everything else that goes on out there. No, I all of a sudden had a garage cleaning day and saying, we're getting this thing up in here. Why? Because I value it. When you value something, you're putting it somewhere differently. David said, your word have I hidden, not in my ears, not in my mind where it can just come up and get snatched. I've hidden it in my heart that I might not sin against you. So that your word will produce in my life 
I have hidden it, buried it where it will be able to produce. I have taken that word and planted it in the soil. It didn't just, I didn't just hear it and throw it over on the wayside. I didn't just hear it and, and, you know, let it fall on thorns or let it fall on stony. I heard the word and I have now hidden it in my heart. How do you do that? How do you hide the word in your heart? Joshua chapter 1. Keep your finger in Mark. Joshua chapter 1. People pay a lot of money going to seminars on success. How to be successful. Well, Joshua would have made a ton of money holding some seminars. Because Joshua had the secret. He said, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. From your mouth. Well, how do you get the book of the law in your mouth? But you shall meditate in it day and night. Why? That you may observe to do according to all that is written in it, so that the word can produce in your life. You need to meditate on it to get it out of your mouth. For then you will make your way prosperous. Then you will have good success. Then you will see the word produce results in your life. Meditate. What does this word meditate mean? This word meditate means to chew on, to think on over and over and over. That's what that word meditate means. That word meditate does not mean hear it once and walk away and never hear it again. Farmers, when they plant a seed, that's not the last time they give attention to that seed. When the seed is planted, they are going back over and over and over, making sure it's in the right soil, checking on the environment, watering it, making sure it's getting all the nutrients, making sure it's being taken care of. Why? Because they want to produce a crop. They do not put a seed in the ground, literally walk away for eight to nine months at a time, come back and say, hey, where's my crop? But yet that's what we do with the word. We get the seed planted and then we walk away and then when when we need it to produce in our life, we come back and say, hey, where's my crop? didn't produce anything for me. Well, you didn't give any attention to it. It wasn't valuable to you. Watch this. You have to value the seed the way you would value the crop. You have to value the seed the way you would value the crop. Think about it. If I am sick, if I've gotten a report from a doctor that says you don't have long to live, What's the crop that I'm looking for? Healing, health, restoration. That's the crop I'm looking for. That's the result that I'm wanting to see produced. But all I have to start with is a seed. By his stripes, 
you were healed. What's that going to do for me? Just a little seed. I mean, I need healing. When all along, inside the seed was the healing. But I didn't value the seed. I said, I just want the crop. And so I took the seed. Bye, let's try some healing. Oh, yeah. Man, look at this report. Man, six months. What am I going to do with this? And now I'm giving attention to everything else. Never come back to the seed that has the product inside of it, the healing I'm looking for. But never give attention to it. Never meditate on it. Never chew on it. Never keep it in front of me. And then I come back and say, hey, where's my healing? I mean, I read that verse one time. Oh, but I didn't give it an opportunity to produce in my life. It fell by the wayside. The word of God is meant to be looked at over and over again. The word of God was never meant to be heard once and walked away from. Never. It can't produce that way. The word of God was not to be something that we intellectually think about with our minds. That only uh, encompasses our mental capacity. That's not the word. The word of God was meant to be planted in your spirit man. And lived by and acted upon and watered and chewed on. There are people out there that look at this Bible as just a science book. It does nothing for them. Because it's in the wrong environment. There's people that read this book and try to uh, read it in and out and try to find things wrong with this and try to look for what it says about that and just looking for a bunch of stuff and it's not producing anything in their life. Why? Because it's in the wrong environment. It's sitting up on top of the soil. They didn't get get it planted. They didn't put it inside their heart. They didn't put it in the environment where it can produce. And most of the time, the scholars and theologians and intellectual people that read this book like they do a math book or a science book or a history book, most of the time, they find more wrong with it than it producing anything. Well, no wonder, because you don't live by any of it. You're just trying to gain a mental capacity. Well, it says this, and over in this verse, and if you take this verse and tie it in with this verse, and then you... We're all going to be raptured in 12 days. And all of them are wrong. (laughs) They're always wrong. Why? Because that's a science book to you. This is life for me. This is what I live by. This is my daily bread, Jesus said. I don't live by bread alone. I live by the words that come out of God's mouth. I need it to produce in my life. Look, there's nothing else producing. The economy's not producing. Healthcare's not producing. Our government's not producing. Careers aren't producing. Jobs aren't producing. But this is the one thing that will be the same yesterday, today, and forever. It will produce results in your life. But we have to put it in the right environment. We can't just hear something and walk away. We can't let it fall by the wayside. We can't just get it in our ears or in our head. We have to get it in our heart, in the soil, water it, take care of it, chew on it, meditate on it, look at it over and over and over, day and night, observe to do all that it says, then it will produce a result in my life. 
Go back to Mark chapter 4. Verse 16. These likewise are the ones sown on stony ground. So now we're moving to stony ground. Who when they hear the word, immediately receive it with gladness. That's good. These are the ones that in church, amen, yeah, that's exciting, awesome. They're excited, they're encouraged, they're edified, they're built up. But they have no root in themselves, and so endure only for a time. Afterward, when tribulation or persecution arises for the word's sake, That means when something comes that conflicts the word that was sown. That's what that means. Tribulation and persecution arise for the word's sake. Not because they just want to be mean. Not because uh, they just want to break you down. For the word's sake. That's what you believe. The doctor told you six months. You're going to just believe some scripture? Yeah. I mean, that's what it, you know, maybe maybe you're right. What? No root. No root system. Again, we've got an environment issue. The seed is not in the right location to take root. And we're not watering it, and we're not chewing on it, we're not meditating on it. And so here's what happens. We get excited. We're joyful here in the church. I mean, I've been to plenty of those services. Man, I feel like after service, you hear some of those messages like, man, devil ain't got nothing. I'm going to smash him with my foot. I'm going to pay that bill. I'm going to get that car. I'm going to find that job. And then you get out there, and the next morning, it's different. Well, man, I can't wait for church on Sunday. I need to get excited again. No, you need to get a root system going. You're not meant to revolve around Wednesday and Sunday. These are here for edification and encouragement and building you up and disciplining you and and, and teaching you the ways of the kingdom. But then we've got to find a way to get out there and live it. We can't just be excited and joyful about God's word here. Because out there, there will be something that will show up that will conflict with what you heard in here. Sometimes you don't have to wait that long. You're believing God for your marriage. And you get in the car and something conflicting shows up. Man, I didn't even have to wait that long. I mean, it took me 15 seconds. We're, you know, all excited about our marriage. And man, I got to, man, God's good. He's going to come through in our marriage. And we get in the car and bam. And for the word's sake. Something comes against the word. Now, we got to develop the root system. Because look, when you develop the proper root system, those trees, those crops, they'll endure some of the hardest rains, some of the strongest winds. Why? Because they were properly 
sown in the right environment allowed to create the proper root system. So when stuff started showing up up here, underneath this stuff is staying strong. I'm not going anywhere. I'm not moving. I'm not budging. I'm not coming up. I'm not changing. And it's going crazy up top. But underneath the ground, there's roots that are just dug in and holding on, and they're not letting go. No root system. This stuff just goes. We've got to create a root system. Verse 18. Now, these are the ones sown among thorns. They are the ones who hear the word. And the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, and the desires for other things entering in, choke the word. And it becomes unfruitful. Three down, and we've got no fruit yet. We're three different examples into this thing, and nobody's producing anything. We've got the one that's just fallen completely by the wayside, didn't even make it in the heart. They didn't even bother trying to hide the word in their heart. We got the other ones that were excited, rah, 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 yay, this is awesome, the word is good, get out there. And then when something shows up that comes contrary to the word they heard, they decided to go with that rather than go with this. Why? Because they didn't get found, they, uh, uh, founded in it. They didn't build a foundation. They didn't get solid and develop a root system. So when this thing showed up and says, no, you're not going to be able to pay that bill. No, this is what the bank account says. No, you're not going to get a job. No, your marriage isn't any better. No, you're still sick. They decided to go with that rather than going with the word that came against that. Now we've got the group. They hear the word, but it gets choked out by other things in the world. Gets choked out by other things in the world. I heard uh, this past week, I can't remember what country it is, but there's a country right now that says in the year 2020, 2023, 2023, 10 years from now, they will be able to put people on Mars. (laughs) Sounds crazy, but there are 165,000 people that have applied for that job. They're saying, yeah, we'll we'll be able to get man, we'll be able to get them on Mars. Now, this is the funny thing. They're going to go there and they're going to research and they're going to do things there on Mars. And they're not going to have to worry about anything for themselves. Guess who's going to take care of them? The ones who sent them. Oh, wow, that's weird. Who would ever do that? Uh, God did that. See, God was in heaven. And God said, I'm going to create a planet. I'm going to create a universe. And I'm going to take man, create him just like me, and I'm going to put him on that planet. And he's not going to have to worry about anything. He's going to go there and do my work and do what I'm asking him to do, and I'm going to take care of him. God did the same thing. It's no wonder that man is just repeating the cycle because we're made in his image and in his likeness. What is it? It's exploration. 
we as human beings have built within us an innate desire to explore and to expand territory. Because that's what God did. God was in heaven and God was saying, this isn't good enough. I want to expand my territory to another location. And created this universe, created the earth, created everything on the earth, took man and put him in the earth and said, go, do what I'm asking you to do, and I will take care of you. But here's what we do. And this is the reason why I brought up that example. If these people, this nation who wants to send these people to Mars, if they go to Mars and... They're just constantly worried about their bills and constantly worried about their family back home, constantly worried about their lives. They're not going to be able to do what, they're, what they've been asked to do. When the people that sent them have specifically said, don't worry about anything, we're going to take care of you. Just do what we're asking you to do. Just go and do the research. But that's what we do. See, God sent us from heaven to the earth. And back in heaven is all the resource you will ever need. Do you realize that your king, your father, owns everything? He walks on streets of gold. And so we've been sent to the earth. And instead of being concerned with his things, we get concerned with things here in the earth that we're not even supposed to be worrying about. The third example is people that hear the word, but then they get caught up with deceitfulness of riches and cares of this world. And God in heaven is saying, just like that nation here on earth, I have sent you there to that planet to make influence for heaven. You don't need to worry about anything. You don't need to worry about where money's coming from. You don't need to worry about where health is coming from. You don't need to worry about where food is coming from. You don't need to worry about this and worry about that. I have you taken care of. Just make influence in the planet for heaven. But we get down here with a purpose, with an assignment that God himself has given us, and we become more concerned with what's around us than with what's in us to change what's around us. This is an attack against the word of God. The word is what is going to produce results in your life. Not, not, not you trying hard enough. Here's what God has said to do. You do what you can. I'll do the rest. But we try to do it all. You do what you can. You be the proper husband or wife in the relationship. You obey my word in that marriage relationship. I'll do the rest. You give to the church and give to my kingdom financially and be a proper steward over the finances I have placed in you. And I will do the rest. I will get you out of debt. 
I will help you take care of that. I will help you put food on the table. I will help you find a job. Be the right employee and coworker. Be someone that will go into a job space and make influence for the kingdom of God, and I'll help you find the job. But see, we try to do it all. We try to save the marriage. We try to find the job ourselves, and we try to go to school and get the right schooling so that somebody would give us a job we are the ones trying to save the finances and trying to find where i can save here and where i can save there and where i can invest here and god has already given us the directive and he has said you do your part and i'll do my part so this deceitfulness of riches and desires for other things entering in shouldn't happen to kingdom citizens. You're not even of this world. You're of heaven. You've been sent from heaven to the earth to make influence on the earth for heaven, not to get caught up in everything that's going on here. And that is choking out the word. So we come to church. We're hearing the word. It's getting planted. But then we get out there and we're running around trying to figure out how to do it ourselves rather than allowing God's word to produce the results in our lives, and we're choking out the very word that contains all the resource for everything we need. If we're not seeing the proper product, we have to look at what needs to change so we can get the right result. And it doesn't change the power of the seed. None of these situations that we've gone through, none of them says, but it was bad seed and it wasn't really able to produce anything anyways. None of these verses say that. All of the seed had all the resource and all the power to produce what was necessary. But one was cast by the wayside and not given any attention. Another was given a little bit of attention and was excited about it. But then when something came to conflicting it, it, we decided to go with that rather than go with the word. Then we got another one where we receive the word and we hear it and we understand it. But we get out there and we get more concerned with life out there than the word that's inside of us. And all along, the seed had all the power and resource to change the situation. Verse 20. But these are the ones sown on good ground who hear the word, accept it, and bear fruit. I love how he identifies all that this verse tells us right here. All that this verse tells us that is different from the other ones. It's two words, good ground, good ground. That's all we got. Doesn't say anything else. It says, but these are the ones sown on good ground. The first one we had wayside that was easy pickings for the enemy. The second one was no root system. And when something came conflicting it, it was blown away. The third one was it was sown among thorns and choked out by other cares. This one just says good ground. What's that referring to? The environment. The environment. Pastor Mark, you're telling me if I can get the word in the right environment, it will produce in my life? 
Absolutely. What does that mean? What does the right environment mean? That means hearing the word, gaining understanding of the word. If you walk out of here confused about what you heard, it will not produce in your life. It's not my job to be up here and be as smart and as theological and sound as intellectual as possible. It's my job to break the word down so that you can properly comprehend and understand it. Now, on top of that, the Bible says that the word is only discerned with the help of the Holy Spirit. So when you get in a situation, Holy Spirit, I'm not... I'm not understanding. I'm not seeing it clearly. I need to see it deeper than that. Holy Spirit, give me the understanding. Literally stop and pray and say, Father, I need your clarity. I need your understanding of what this scripture says. Don't go to Google. Don't go try to find a book. Because then what you're doing is you're taking somebody else's glasses, somebody else's lens, putting them on and seeing it the way they see it. That's not going to save your life. That's not going to cause the word to produce results in your life. If you want to see results produced in your life, go to the one who's already living inside of you who knows everything that's in there. You got someone that lives inside of you that says, I know what that means. He's saying, when you read that, he's going, just ask. I'll tell you what it means. I know exactly what it says. Oh, yeah. yeah it's, not, it's not really confusing. I, I understand. He's the revealer of truth, the Bible says. The Bible says he will guide you and he will lead you into all truth. So we have to hear the word. We have to understand it and comprehend it. Now, here's the third piece, and this is the big one. Water it. Water it. You know, I was taught at a very young age to water the word. How? Bible memorization. Oh, that's for kids. No. We should be in a habit of memorizing scriptures. That means saying them over and over and over until you know them without having to read it. Water the word. Read it over and over and over. Now, if you're dealing with a specific problem in your life, if it's finances, then you need to find the word on finances. You remember, we talked about what God is obligated to do. When you speak the word, God is obligated to move on your behalf. But he's only obligated to move based upon his word. So, I need to go and get his word for my specific situation. If it's healing, then go and get out all the scriptures, all the words on healing. And then what? Go over them over and over and over. You'll find out how much you value the word when you value your life. I know people that have been sick unto death. And they would literally shut themselves away in a closet for hours on end going over verses. 
going over the word, speaking them out, not just reading them, but speaking it out of their mouth, reading those verses, and then claiming those verses over their life. What does that mean? That means read the scripture. By his stripes, you were healed. Father, I thank you, and I claim the healing that your son has provided me because you said that by... See, when you get God's word on the subject, you can hold him to his word. Have you ever held anybody to their word before? Have you ever done that? I know that in our culture today, that's not real popular to say, hey, but you gave me your word. Most people just expect us to say, oh, oh okay, I understand. But you can hold God to his word. God, you said, you said that I could have this. And then if the word reveals something in your life that isn't in alignment, then you change it. This happened with Kenneth E. Hagin one time. He had been pastoring a church and was being paid pretty well, had a good congregation, liked what he was doing, had a house, you know, raising his family, everything was good. And then God calls him to go and travel. He says, I don't want you to pastor anymore. I want you to travel and preach my message of faith. Teach my people faith. So he's thinking, well, I don't want to leave the church and the people that I have and the money that's coming in. He lost the house. Didn't lose the house, but you know, you don't get the parsonage if you're not living in the, if you're not pastoring the church that owns the house. So now he's having to pay for things he wasn't having to pay for. Now he's traveling, not on a regular income. He's away from his family often. And so he goes back uh, to God's word and says, and says, God, look, you said, you said that the willing and the obedient would eat the good of the land. What did Brother Hagin do? What did he do? He said, God, you said this, and I'm not seeing the result in my life. Your word isn't producing the result. So what's wrong? Well, one of two things is wrong. God or you. I'm going to go with you. <laughs> I'm going to go with me. One of the things, something isn't lining up here, and God is always right. So what am I doing wrong? So he says, God, you said the willing and the obedient would eat the good of the land. It's right here. He held God to his word. Well, God revealed something. He said, you don't qualify. <laughs> he said, what do you mean I don't qualify? I'm out here preaching. I'm out here traveling. I'm out here doing exactly what you call me to do. I wanted to stay to do this. I wanted. He goes, that's exactly the problem. That Bible says the willing and obedient would eat the good of the land. You've been obedient, but you haven't been willing. He said, it took me about 10 seconds to get willing. <laughs> What happened? The word of God wasn't producing. So he said, God, this is your word. It's true. It's the same yesterday, today, and forever. You said you're not a respecter of persons. And you said that the willing and obedient would eat. So he held God to his word because God values his word. God isn't going to come back and say, oh, well, I didn't mean you. Oh, well, that was for back here. But, I mean, that, that's not for anymore. I mean, things are tough now. I mean. I can't take care of everybody. He didn't say that. No, he said, yep, that's what my word says. And you can hold me to my word. Now here's what you need to do. So we've got to get in this meditation process. Last verse right here. Mark chapter 4, verse 
24. And you don't, it's just a few verses down in the New King James. It says, take heed what you hear with the same measure you use. It will be measured to you and to you who hear more will be given. But watch this in the Amplify. This is the point we want to drive home. I call this the attention factor. And he said to them, be careful what you are hearing. Be careful what you are hearing. The measure of thought and study you give to the truth you hear will be the measure of virtue and knowledge that comes back to you and more besides will be given to you who hear. What's the attention factor? What you put in determines what you get out. If we're not giving the attention to God's word, then we don't really value God's word. But when you get in his word and you give it time of thought, you give it time of study, you give it time of meditation, you give it time of chewing over and over and over, studying it out, finding out what it says about your certain situations, and then you start to speak it, it will produce the results in your life. It will accomplish that which it was sent to do. It will not return void. For too many of us, the word has been coming back void. We know what God's word says about our situation, but we're not seeing the situation change. Well, it's not God's word. It's us. It's our responsibility. And so as we get in his word and meditate, get in his word and chew on it, get in his word and study it, get in his word and think about it, get in his word and speak it, now it can produce the results in our life. I don't know about you, but I want the word to produce results in my life. There are way too many promises. There are way too many blessings. There are way too many benefits of living in God's kingdom that are listed in here for me to not see that produced in my life. But I've got to get in there and I've got to find out what it says, and I've got to get in there, and I've got to apply what it says, and I've got to get in there, and I've got to meditate on what it says, and then it will produce in my life. I can't just hear it. See, look, I'm planting seed. Now look, this passage says there's a one in four chance that the word will produce in a person's life. That's what this tells us. One out of every four. That's not a very good ratio. That's not a very good percentage. And here's what I hope tonight. I hope that this room is full of ones. I hope that this room is full of the ones that the word will bring forth the crop. Ones that will hear the word and understand it and meditate on it and think on it and study it out. 
Not that we're ones that it's just falling by the wayside and we leave and forget everything we just heard. Not the ones that we hear it and we're excited and we're joyful and yay, that was a great message, Pastor Mark, and then get out there and give no more attention to it. And then when something comes that's contrary to what was said, then we depart from that and we go with the contrary. Not the ones that, uh, you know, we're excited and we hear it and we understand it, but we get more caught up with things in the world, more about what's going on out there, more than what the words says. I don't want to be any of those three. I want to be the one that it's been planted in my heart, hidden in my heart. Meditate on it. Study it. Look at it. Read it. Memorize it. Speak it. And then see it produce. The goal is the same. Everybody in here, regardless of what your situation is, the goal is the same. The goal is to see a product. The goal is to see a crop at the end. There is seed time and there is harvest time. I don't know about you, but there has been a plenty of seed planted in my life. I'm ready for some harvest. Anybody ready for some harvest in here? Any ready? Anybody in here ready to see the product of the seed that's going in? There's a seed time. There's a time of planting. There's a time of putting it in there. There's a time of tilling up the ground. There's a time of watering. There's a time where you just see one little sprout come up out of the ground. Out of the ground. There's a time where it looks like the things are going to kill it off and things are going to take it away. And that was a really bad storm. And I don't know if it's going to make it through these winds. And we haven't had rain in a while. There's all those times. But in the end, his word will accomplish. If it's healing, it'll accomplish healing. If it's financial deliverance, it will accomplish prosperity. If it's uh, getting rid of confusion and anxiety and worry, it will accomplish peace. If it's hatred and anger and a bad temper, it will accomplish love. It will accomplish what it is sent out to do. Amen? Father, we thank you for your word tonight we don't just thank you for the word but we put value your words are valuable your words contain power your words contain life your words are the very resource if it's financial breakthrough that we need our answer isn't money The answer is the word about our finances. If it's healed, if it's healing, if it's a sickness that we're battling, healing isn't what we need. It's your word on healing because your word contains the power to heal. If it's anger and hatred, it's not love that we need. It's your word on love. There is no subject outside of your word that your word cannot handle. Your word covers it all. So Father, today we put value on your word. Today we give attention to your word. We don't want to be hearers that are deceived. We want to be hearers and doers of the word of God. We want to apply it. We want to live it. 
We want to allow it to change the areas of our lives that need to be changed. We want to be uh, people that see your word produce in our lives. There's a crop we're looking for. There's a harvest time that needs to come. Father, I thank you that the seed that has been planted will produce the desired results. I thank you for every person here. Every person has given time, not just to come and hang out, not just to come and do church, come to hear the word. Because that's what's going to change our lives. We thank you for all that you're doing in and through our lives. In Jesus' name, And everyone said, amen.